This is a production from The Companion. Sci-fi served fresh. You're listening to my interview with one of my favorite writers. He's written some of the best episodes of Stargate and probably some of your favorites too. Since Stargate, he's gone on to shows like Utopia Falls and of course, Dark Matter. From The Companion, this is my conversation in sci-fi with the incredibly talented Joseph Malazzi. Joe, I haven't seen you in a long time. And uh, the first thing I have to bring up is that I'm assuming it's a dragon onesie you were wearing in the promo uh, shot. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, Akemi ended up getting uh, these, there were for her, these two onesies, although she claimed one of them was for me. Uh, and then she insisted I model it once. I was like, okay, fine, I'll model it. Uh, and then whenever anybody asks me for a headshot, I, you know, I'm always at a loss because I never did the professional headshots and, and I was never really on set for, you know, the still photography. So I always give them a choice of four uh, completely out there possible headshots. And for some reason, Nick chose that one. Ah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's a. I like it. I'm not. I'm not saying I don't like it. I like it. I think it's a look. I I appreciate your support. It, it is a dragon. I'm assuming it's a dragon. I think so too. Either a dragon or a dinosaur, a pink dinosaur. <laughs> okay. Biggest first memory of meeting you. Uh, one of the questions before that. One of the questions uh, somebody asked was, was what did I read of yours? Uh, that made me want to bring you guys in in the first place. And I don't remember. It was a pilot, I think. Was it a pilot? Was it our Pizza Man pilot? I, I don't remember reading a pilot called Pizza Man. Although, really? not from you. I mean, I've read several pilots yeah. called Pizza Man, but uh, not that one. No, my biggest, strongest memory of, of your first day was naturally you were jet lagged. We said, we said hellos. We chit-chatted. We showed you guys your offices. And you hung out in one for a while. And uh, I, Rob and I had a call, or I had a call uh, with MGM. And then afterwards, you guys were beat. So you came back and, and you said, this is what we, uh, we just wanted to let you know what we've worked on so far. And I went, oh, okay, great. And you sang me the Stargate song. Pretty impressive, huh? That's when you knew you had seen, <laughs> that sealed the deal. That's when I... That's when I called your agent. No, that's when I knew it was like, okay, I think we, we're going to get along. As long as the next day wasn't another song, I, I thought, because <laughs> right. if you had just kept composing, you know, songs. Well, we, we have to wait, what, another six, seven years before uh, we actually tried our hand at the Atlantis uh, theme Yeah, song. I was actually part of that writing session. Yeah, yeah. We're underwater, <laughs> yeah. but not for long. Strangely, it doesn't get as much play as the SG-1 uh, theme, although in all fairness, that one has kind of stood the test of time because Peter DeLuise actually made us sing it in one of our um, DVD commentaries. Yeah. Which took us yeah, yeah. by surprise, of course, but, uh, you know, I'm glad we did it. And you did it. I, I, it's, I yeah. remember hearing it. I, I only ever did one of those DVD commentaries. I did Continuum. Why? Uh, I was pretty busy, but... I, I uh, everybody else wanted to do them, right? So, you know, let 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 the director do it, let other people do it. People, actors chimed in and wanted to do it. 
And then my last, it was really my last chance to do one. And it was, and I did uh, mm. Continuum and I did it with, uh, with Rick. Oh yeah. How, Rick didn't really do them either. No, he did one too. And that's, that was what made that special. I think it was Continuum. It was, it had to be. Mm. I'm pretty sure uh, uh, he didn't remember making the film, <laughs> but it was a good, you know, it was a good reminder because we were watching it together. Mm. I, I, speaking of memories though, it was, it, we're going back a very long time. But I was just telling a, a young writer uh, that I might be working with uh, recently how much fun a writer's room can be, and how much uh, how hard we laughed, and how how many times, you know, everybody had their kind of shtick, and and uh, and Martin Garrow most recently uh, with with some great characters, some stock characters. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, his Pope John Paul is, <laughs> it is, it is gold. And, uh, and you, I mean, I mean, I don't have a shtick. I, I quote you constantly. No, you, you don't have a shtick. I don't recall. When somebody is trying to remember a name, what do you do? Bob. I helped. Commodore. <laughs> calculus. Samuel. You just start randomly throwing out names and it's, that's, that's. Olivia de Havilland. There you go, there you go, there mm. you go, and and uh, I laugh every time. That's good, classic, classic stuff. You see, yeah. you see, you didn't even know you had a stick. <laughs> oh, I do miss those writers' rooms. That, that's one of the things that you know when when people ask me what I miss most about um, Stargate is that camaraderie, especially in the writers' room, and it's so tough. And when people ask me, you know, sort of, you know, how do you get into a writer's room? And of course, there are all the mechanics of, you know, you go through the agent, you try to make the connections. But my sort of, you know, over, over overwhelming advice is really just, it comes down to don't be crazy. <laughs> but it's true because I, honestly, I've been in rooms with, with people who are just so difficult or they just suck the life out of the room. And I think we were very fortunate in that respect. I remember my ex uh, used to say, I don't know how you guys do with all those egos in the room. And I think back and I was like, yeah, I guess we all kind of had uh, egos to kind of varying degrees. But as you said, it was kind of always fun. And we were kind of always bounced off each other. And most important of all, we always kept uh, things kind of creative and moving. And we got so much done. I mean, I, I look back on, on those seasons where we did 40 episodes of television a year. And it's insane to think about now. And yet we did it with, you know, a fairly, I would say small room. What were we around? Maybe seven or eight of us? Well, yeah, it, well, it was, it was, yeah. One, two, three, four, Alan, Martin. Carl. Carl, mm -hmm. that's it. That's, that's not very many folks. No. And I never knew which show I was spinning. I remember at one point, Paul said uh, to Robert, um, well, no, I, I really think that our next script should be in Atlantis because Robert had a, an SG-1 idea he wanted to spin. And, and uh, Robert, in vintage Robert style, said, why? And Paul said, because if we don't, Brad will <laughs> die. <laughs> we were trying to launch, you know, it was, well, as you well know now, especially, uh, go, doing a doing season five, six, seven, or eight of a show, even if you're switching it up a little bit, is way easier than starting 
from uh, Tabula Rasa. Yeah. To quote another Joe Malazzi title. What's really interesting is that, you know, I remember after season four, Paul sitting in my office and we were talking about, we just heard that the show was picked up for season five and we were like, I don't know how we're going to do it. Simply because those early episodes that we pitched were kind of standalone uh, episodes and, and we just couldn't imagine how we could come up with another, like, I think seven uh, original uh, story ideas. But then we discovered sort of as second time goes on, you begin to mine that mythology and what came before. And that's what makes it easier. And it's not to say you couldn't occasionally come up with those great one-off stories because those were always my favorite, but it certainly helps to have four, five seasons under your belt to re kind of really inspire the uh, kind of the, the, um, the spinning. Well, yeah, and, and sometimes sometimes it's just the beginning of an idea, uh, like, uh, like I, I'm trying to remember one, like The Hunt. You, you, mm -hmm. you guys were, and I said, well, what if, and I just kind of threw out a very, very, very minimal story idea, like with, uh, and, and, and you went off in an afternoon and came back and said, how about this? And we, we, we chatted and, and, and it became a, a great episode. It's just, you know, it's just sometimes just one image, one idea spawns. Yeah, well, my favorite was the freelancer who came in and pitched what would become the episode Runner. And, right. and he was pitching and, and Rob, as it turned out, misunderstood a word. He, he basically, he didn't say Runner, but Rob heard Runner. And so while this guy was pitching his story, Rob was crafting an alternate episode in his head. After a while, he was like, okay, stop talking. Okay, this is what we're going to do. And it was always interesting in the room how basically how everyone had very different dynamics. I remember sort of you would be able to spin anything. And you would always go, you would always go okay, it's, uh, give me something. It's, uh, you know, a monkey and a horse. Okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. Right. And Rob was always great at spinning ideas and fleshing things out. But... He was always, how would you say, kind of set in his ways in yes. terms of uh, story. And, if, you know, he kind of had an idea of what he wanted to do. And uh, it would be very hard to steer him away from that. And Paul was great at crafting story. And, and once you got past Paul, the stories would be bulletproof. But sometimes he would slow things down just because he, you know, if it didn't work for him, it didn't work for him. That's That's a good skill, though. And I've learned that. I've learned yeah. that since, and 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 I'm and I seek out someone with what I call a, a bullshit detector, mm. <laughs> or you know somebody who goes no no <laughs> no this is uh, why are we why are we wasting this is not a good idea for folks you need that person too yeah. you need the person who, like me who's going no 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 there's something here there's something here and then and I'll you know I'll come back the next morning and say I see I thought of something mm. I, I thought I had a, I thought I had to fix it and everybody go oh yeah that does work. Because I, because I, I dig my heels in too. If I, if I, if I don't know the whole idea, but I feel like it, there's something there, yeah, I'll, I'll stick my heels in. My, my favorite, my other favorite Joe Malazzi story, in a, in a pitch is, I won't say who the writer was, but, but uh, they came in and they pitched an idea or two that was not working, but there was something in it, and I said, well, what if you did this? And, and then we started spinning in the, and during the pitch, and I, and I. I said, and this could happen, and this could happen, and, and he's writing stuff down, and and we all jump in and start adding thoughts, and then about two weeks later, he, he hands in a document, and 
we all read it and we, you of course was oh you were always the fastest reader and so i'm halfway through and and you turn your head in my office and go what the hell this doesn't have anything to do with what we and i said i was hoping it eventually did and he said no it's something completely different and i said but he was writing furiously the entire time i was talking and then you said dear mom I'm in a meeting at Stargate. Brad Wright is talking. I wonder what he's saying. Anyway, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening to me. He's actually speaking words. And now Rob is saying something. It was, uh, it was one of those I'm crying moments. It was, uh, it was fun. But in all fairness, it was very tough. Although that case, there, there's really no excuse. Once you're in the room and you get notes, you, you, you yeah. kind of incorporate the notes. But it was such a, a, a tough show to get. I remember we would always look for the freelancers that we could bring in as potential staff uh, writers. And it was incredibly tough just the show, to get the show tonally and then to pitch a story that either we hadn't done or hadn't been done by Star Trek yeah. was near impossible. And I, I would always be surprised by the number of stories that would get pitched that were similar to stories that we already had in the works Yeah. after five, six, seven seasons. Well, I mean, that makes sense though, because they, they, we laid down a thread that we intended to pick up and they watched the show, saw the same mm -hmm. thread and went, <clears throat> and, and so when somebody can, says, you know what, you did an episode that introduced this. I think we could do, do that. And, and Rob or I would say, yeah, we're, we're going to do that. That's why you introduced mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. But it was weird that they would always at least do the research. I, I remember that with that one writer who came in and pitched us, actually it was you and I in, uh, in your office and, and you were incredibly polite and, and they, were, they, they pitched a story, um, SGI, um, go to a planet and they get separated from Tialk. And when they That's go through right. the gate, they end up in a, uh, uh, some weird dimension between India and Pakistan and have a head off a nuclear war. We're like, well, the Stargate doesn't work that way. Uh, our main character's name is Tealik, not Tealik, and it's SG-1, the name of the yeah. show. I, I, so, I remember that. I remember that. I remember I remember going, how did I get in this situation? And why am I still in this chair? <laughs> but that, you know, I've, I've also been the writer, uh, or, or, well, actually, no, I haven't freelanced in 25 years, but pitching is hard. Do they still do freelancing? I, I don't know. If somebody offered me a, a, I would do a Black Mirror if Black Mirror was still on the air. I would do a Black Mirror in a heartbeat. I would do any anthology show in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's, you yeah. know, I mean. It's just don't, they're so rare. They're, they never happen. But you and I have also, and you, you, you tweeted something, I, I don't know, maybe it was a year ago, and I completely agree with it. We've had the heart heartache uh, in the last, well, since SG-1. We both, you know, got shows wonderfully. You know, Dark Matter, Travelers, mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm happy happy to do it but then after that you know you, you're going back and you're doing it again you're trying to sell something else mm -hmm. and there's this process uh, of development where somebody goes yeah 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 let's 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 write some scripts and then and then we'll sell it to here and then that'll be great and as you know you, you're to create a show and and not have it ultimately go anywhere it's kind of heartbreaking yeah it's disheartening uh, just because you fall in love with the characters, you fall in love with the world, and you just imagine how the audience will respond. And, you know, because you can't help it, you're yeah. a writer, you're creative. 
a lot of the time it looks very promising. You go in and pitch and people are very excited and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got multiple projects on the go. How am I gonna possibly be able to produce two, three episodes uh, a year, uh, two, three shows a year? And then nothing goes, which is why I'm constantly juggling so many different projects because you never know what's gonna go. In the case of Dark Matter, um, I thought it was dead. And another show that we had developed what looked like it was about to get a green light. And then within 24 hours, that show was dead and Dark Matter got the green light and suddenly we were kind of scrambling to put things together. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is the business. It's, it's, it's great when you have a show in production, but kind of very lonely and dispiriting uh, when you don't. And you, know, you mentioned pitching and we're talking about spinning and pitching and writing. And I've always held that there are three very different skill sets that not all writers possess. Uh, some are very good at pitching, like Martin Garrow is fantastic at pitching. Yeah. Uh, some are great at um, writing or generating ideas. I, you know, I, I think hopefully for the most part, that's, that's, that's all writers. It certainly was the case on, on, on Stargate. And then other people are just better at spinning in the room. And I remember Carl Binder, who, you know, was never really comfortable spinning. I felt he he always was always down on himself, which I thought was was kind of ridiculous um, in terms of contributions in the room. I thought when he did make the contribution, he didn't he he wasn't quite as as vocal as everyone else. But when he did contribute, it was always great. But in terms of writing, I mean, Paul and I would always marvel because Carl's uh, scripts always had it all. I mean, in that first draft, it was as close to to production ready as possible. And, and something that, you know, I certainly envied in the guy and yet he would always kind of fault himself and he would say, ah, you know, I'm not strong in a room. And I'm like, you can't be strong in all three. I mean, certainly pitching for instance, I have to admit, not something I enjoy. I mean, you know, before we started this, I said, I'm better on paper yeah. and I am, the proof is always in the script, uh, but it's a necessary evil. You have to do it to, to sell a show. Well, and, and Carl, and you know, I've been, <laughs> Carl and I worked on my very first show together. So I've known this guy my entire career. I've known Carl since, you know, Neon Rider, uh, 31 years ago. And, and uh, he's always been a little self-deprecating. He's always been like, oh, I don't know, I, I hope it's okay. And, and, but he, his shows have that thing that I, I've talked about this a million times and, and, and you and I agree on this and that is, his shows have heart and, and his characters have heart. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if you don't, I think that's, that's the absolute most necessary thing for a script to have. And I, I read sample writing sample after writing sample, uh, looking for writers over the years. And, and, um, and I've read some pretty well executed, well structured scripts with interesting characters, but there's, it, it, they lack that heart. And sometimes when you, you can read something that's a little mm -hmm. rough around the edges, but it moves you. It finds a way to move you. And that's the job. That's the job in a pitch. It's a, that's the one shared thing. That's the job in, in the writing. Yeah. That's the job in a pitch, because if you don't love your idea, no buyer is going to love your idea. Um, if you go, well, yeah. this is pretty good. I remember, I, I won't say his name, but somebody was pitching me a story and they said, and, and then you have your standard uh, syndicated TV uh, car chase. <laughs> I remember that. And I said, no, I mean, I just jumped down his throat and said, no, <laughs> No, I, whether you like it or not, or whether you think this is true or not, we have to believe we're making a good show. We don't say standard syndicated car chase. There may be a car chase, but it's going to be the best one we can come up with. Not standard syndicated. Oh, that infuriates me. 
I remember that one. What's your, what's your, like you said, you didn't remember, you're, you're hoping I could jog your memory. What is your most powerful memory, like event, moment of Stargate? All three. All three, the most powerful? Doesn't even have to be on screen. Uh, no, I, 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 in fact, I was thinking not on screen because those were always the most powerful for me. Um, I, you know, I think when it all ended, yeah. it was almost surreal because we'd been doing it for, for in, in my case, it was 12 years. In your case, it was like uh, 15 17. more. 17. You know, I, I'm fond of telling people that when we joined in season four, it was within understanding the show would go to, see more, you know, to season five and then we'd go our, our separate ways. And then I remember you coming into our office saying, just feel about season six and then <laughs> but the understanding was that that was the end and then we got season seven and eight and we kept going on and and of course when uh, when we we're doing season 10 i at that point i i that was the one season i thought okay we're gonna get picked up and that was the season we got canceled but we were you know we we still went ahead with with atlantis and even universe i mean we we were doing season two and obviously there was talk about the cancellation and then there was talk about doing a third and final season. Yeah. And so if we had gotten that, at least there would be, had been a little kind of a little button or some sense of finality and, and preparation for it. But, you know, even though we knew, you know, whatever sort of, you know, months in advance before we had to pack our office that we'd been canceled, it still felt very surreal. The fact that, it was almost like losing someone, you know, when you lose someone, it's like you almost expect them to, you know, come around that corner and then you remember and you realize, oh no, they're, they're gone. And it was the same thing. It's like, oh, I'm not, not going back into the office. I won't be sitting there walking into Brad's office Monday morning to, to hear them talk about their golf game so I can sort of uh, interject about my, you know, baseball, uh, Japanese baseball results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true because it lasted so long and because I mean, I did the Outer Limits for 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 three years before that. So I was, I, you know, four years. I was twenty years in that mm -hmm. studio. It was uh, the day we packed up was a very difficult day. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, you know, I tried to write the movie because um, the executive at the time, uh, who who was in charge of MGM, I I said, well, can we keep the sets up and write a movie and and at least do that. And, and he said, absolutely. So I started writing and, and, then, and then it got closer and closer. And then he said, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. And then, and then next time I called him, they, 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 the, 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 an assistant said, he no longer works at MGM. <laughs> and I said, I spoke to him on Friday. He no longer works at MGM. <laughs> and it was because MGM was literally going away. It was yeah. literally uh, completely transforming into a new entity. And, uh, and it was sad because everybody at sci-fi, I mean, at least one executive at sci-fi still believed in our show and wanted it to continue. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was sad that, that, that uh, it felt, I could, it's like we could see it coming. It was like, well, this show is doing really well. It's firing on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. We've got this well-oiled machine. What could have, oh shit. Yeah. You know, when you talk about sort of kind of the moments that, that stirred you most, so that, that was kind of off screen, uh, on screen, and it goes hand in hand, what we've been talking about is that final sequence uh, in Gauntlet, the final episode, this uh, the, what turned out to be the series finale of Stargate Universe. And I remember we were in the editing room and we hadn't really written it as a series finale per se, but you know, there were rumblings that we may not come back. And, and, and so I remember Paul, Molly, my writing, from our writing partner in, in, he was in the editing room. He's like, you know what we should do? And 
And so what we what we ended up doing was mirroring the opening sequence of the series yeah. where we're we're um, going through various levels going on. We just basically do that in reverse and everything shuts down. And then that that last shot of the destiny uh, jumping to FTL and leaving us behind always gets me. Always gets me, me. that not just that his face. And I remember Joel saying uh, on the phone as when we were talking about the music cue, he said to me, um, can I just, uh, 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 Eli smiles just a little bit. There's just that little bit of hope where he, where he looks out and, 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 and it's as if he, Eli's saying, whatever happens, this was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me, obviously. And it's a great little moment of, of smile, of, of hope and, and of, uh, yeah. And, and so Joel said, do you mind if I put a little music? Dun, da, da, dun, 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 dun. And he always sang to me or he mm. would play it. And I said, no, that's perfect. And he played it for me. He went over to the piano and he played it for me. And I said, oh my God, that's so perfect. He played me that music cue. And uh, it was one of my last conversations with him. Mm. That's what would have made season three really difficult because uh, Joel passed before we would have started shooting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 he did such wonderful work over the course of the franchise but that that one piece of music that that concludes the universe is one that I find really resonated with the fandom and and, and viewers and they always kind of reach out and in fact one of the reasons they always keep on asking when when is MGM going to release that Stargate soundtrack and I know you know that's a question for MGM I know and I've asked MGM although MGM this is interesting uh, you you uh, were one of the first people I told uh, that MGM had contacted me and, and asked if I had could uh, would write a pilot, and uh, you were one of the first people to read it. And then everything uh, everything shifted radically. Things way outside our power changed radically, and mm -hmm. the pe the people who were interested in it went away. The people at MGM went away. Now Amazon is in charge. Are you still in touch with some people at MGM? Yeah, uh, but the last last call I had with them was like I don't know three months ago, and and it was it was to pursue an avenue that I went. I don't think that's going to happen mm -hmm. since the Amazon buy, and I don't even know if that person's still there. But I mean, obviously, it, it's going to take a, a while for Amazon to go through compliance. It's a fairly major purchase, right? Uh, so uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. I have one of the things I I. I constantly said is for the new series to work, I firmly believe it has to bridge the old and new. You can't basically, you can't have a continuation of, of universe or Atlantis, unfortunately, you have to have a show that will bring in new viewers that is fresh for new viewers that they can just hop on right away. Yet at the same time exists within the canon that you and, and, and Jonathan and, 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 and Rob created so that you don't piss off the existing fandom because if you do a complete reboot i guarantee you the existing fandom will be pissed off and and you know what i loved about the pilot that i read is that it did both so well you know introduces a new team introduces a uh a new really cool new antagonist uh and kind of a new setting as well yeah and yet there are elements of the previous 
shows. And I, I think you mentioned Daniel uh, in your conversation with 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 Michael. And no, I I mean I mean I've I've told uh, I've told Amanda and yeah. and uh, Michael yeah. that uh, I had written meaty scenes for them. Yes, yes. It was amazing reading, reading the script because you know it felt like a lost episode in some ways. <laughs> it, you know, it's very exciting to, to to sort of you know read the introduction to sort of a new series, but yet at the same time. Yeah, kind of revisiting those characters after what, what has it been like fifteen years? No, it was eleven years. It'd be eleven or twelve years after. Like, yeah. uh, well, the more time when I wrote it, a year's gone by right. since then. So it's frustrating. I, you know, I like I said, I've always, I've always felt that you know, Stargate will return return sooner than later, uh, and ideally, it'll be you at the helm. And I still. I feel very positive. I, you know, this this three month thing is is unfortunate and frustrating, but sadly not unusual in in yeah. in Hollywood and in this business. And the fact that MGM was just bought by by Amazon certainly complicates matters. I think so. You know, they're in. I mean, it 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 makes it more likely that something will happen. It's mm -hmm. just it they 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 you know they think the long game. Yeah, yeah. So. Whether or not I'm I'm involved uh, is way up in the air now, but it doesn't matter. It, it it'll probably continue in some form. I, I don't see. I mean, it's a you don't buy a studio that has a franchise yeah. that's as big as Stargate and not utilize it. So I, I just hope that whoever the executives at Amazon are that like to develop the show realize the you know what they have in the pre-existing fan base. I've often said. Fandom is a double-edged sword because they're very passionate. They can get online, they can support the launch, and and it can be a beautiful thing. But uh, you piss them off, and uh, I've never—that's never happened to me, Joe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me. <laughs> yes, it has, it, I, and you're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. In fact, I did a I did a Q and A for your um, for your blog fifteen years ago or twelve years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. And I was just kind of like, ah, I wasn't, I didn't have a, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I answered some questions a little too frankly. Somebody hated Continuum for the way I wrote Vala because Vala was a gold again. And, and yeah. she basically, anyway, it, I'm not going to go into it, but uh, I, I, I argue, never argue. I argued with a, yeah. I, I argued with a, a critic once too in defense of the show that was stupid too i i, I just yeah. you know yeah yeah you get passionate yeah yeah you know, everybody can get passionate and then of course you feel somewhat defensive i mean it's not for me whenever i got defensive it was never in defense of let's say my work but in defense of the general show and the people involved the cast, the crew, because you know they become kind of family yes. to you, and they go online and they read this stuff as well. And 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 uh, and uh, you know, I, I I was very guilty of that as well, and especially uh, after um, Michael left the show in season season four. So there was there that, were uh, there were pictures of my uh, uh, pictures of my face with a target on them, <laughs> and it said "Wanted for the destruction of a television show and murder of a character." Wouldn't have been so bad if it wasn't handed to me by a you know somebody at the airport. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But there was the time once when uh, when uh, I was pacing in my office on the telephone, and Rob was sitting on the couch, mm -hmm. and 
he goes, Brad, sit down. And I sat down and I said, why? And he said, there was a red laser pointer on your head coming through the window. And I, I, it was probably just one of the special effects guys screwing around with me. Right. But um, it, uh, you know, that scared me a little bit. It was around the huh. same time. Well, that's the, the beauty of, of uh, creating a show that has such a lasting impact on yeah. people that they would, uh, you know, that they would create these, uh, these wanted posters or, or, you know, or to the point where basically their, 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 their online passion was so um, fulsome that you would suspect <laughs> that the laser pointer on your hand might be a direct result of a creative decision. Honestly, anytime. That, that's when you know you've made it. Yeah, but honestly, anytime anybody gets a laser pointer on their head from outside, <laughs> it's, it would probably be concerning. It's not <laughs> always just some kids playing with mm -hmm. a laser pointer. No, yeah, those are the days, good times. I would like to think that there's going to be a new a new one. Uh, somebody, the, the, what I was going to say is, uh, somebody in defense of what everything you just said, in the defense of you know uh, a, a show uh, written you know by me, and it said it said it, it was one of those recorded things that said, but Brad Wright is sixty now and has only so much time left. <laughs> and I was like, well, have you seen an X-ray? What? What do you mean? <laughs> what is he? What is he earn? Yeah. It was your doctor. He was oh, posting. No. Yeah, he was posting honestly. <laughs> now that I just about died laughing at that, but you know, I doesn't stop me from um, trying to write new shows. I I, I, I developed a, a a show about uh, AI that's sort of a not like Travelers, but it's it's the same kind of present day show. Mm. And I and I'm doing this thing that you might be interested in. Or I think you already know about it. Uh, because the, the, these guys at the Companion, who are hosting our lovely podcast right now, they had they had suggested that we do some sort of cast reunion, or some sort of cast read through, and uh, I said, well, what can they read through? I mean, it, what 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 is it going to be? Um, because they own it, you know, whether I just wrote mm -hmm. it or whether it's an old thing, or and coming up with something new, as we discussed uh, earlier, uh, is like, well, it's a lot of work. <laughs> And if we ever had it, and they suggested, well, what about maybe you had some old ideas? And you said correctly, hey, if we came up with a good idea, we shot it, which is true. So I, I thought, well, what if we got an AI to try to write a script and did, got the cast together to read that? And that's what we're doing. And when I put when we put the feelers out there to see, you know, if that would be interesting to the uh, to the world, uh, Lawrence uh, Maroney, who who's had who you know is a friend of yours yeah. and head AI uh, guy at Google said, if only you knew a guy who uh, who could do something like that for you. And so he right now is doing so much work and the, and he's literally constructing something from the ground up. And I can't wait for you to uh, to hear it and, and, and to listen to it and, and uh, to jump in because it's fascinating stuff. I, I'm very interested. I mean, conceptually, it sounds really cool. And yet I'm wondering how far along we are in, in, in terms of, of, of um, advancements in, in artificial intelligence that they would be able to craft an entire script. I mean, I can see scenes. Yeah, no, no, that's all we're asking for. I, I, I completely yeah. agree with you. And, and it's because uh, they start, it starts making some sense and then it just devolves into gibberish. That's, mm -hmm. so, so uh, I don't wanna give away too much because uh, it's, it's his uh, genius uh, at work here. He's gonna talk about it in an AMA coming up. 
but but he's, his solutions for those problems are, are like shocking. He's written a uh, a model for every character. Mm. Of course, of course, his uh, cluster of AIs, because it's not one computer, it's a whole, whole whack-a-mole. And he's written individual models for individual characters with with millions of parameters each and for action description. Uh, so, And he's actually written a language that allows the computer to be able to do this. I mean, he's like breaking new ground here. And and this is the, the smartest thing. Now I feel like I'm I'm, I'm telling stuff that he should be telling, but because time AI doesn't perceive time, uh, and because uh, it, it starts to devolve, he's he he has one AI writing forwards, and to the beginning at the at the beginning of a scene, and he has another one writing from the endpoint back, and they'll meet somewhere in the middle. Isn't that smart? That that is crazy. He's so smart. I, it, this is really interesting. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Um, he asked me to join his fantasy football league. You know, you mentioned yeah. Lawrence. Yeah. I, 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 we, we drafted uh, yesterday. I think they're all in the, the field of, you know, sort of robotics, artificial intelligence, and me. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to get my ass kicked. Well, yeah. As I've always said, when, whenever we're with really smart people, like uh, actual scientists, on Travelers, we 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 shot uh, a scene at a nuclear fusion research facility, and I and and of course it couldn't be that uh, uh, they, they would they would it was something about antimatter in the second episode, and as I'm trying to describe to the scientists what the scene is, I'm looking at them, and I could I could just tell they're all going, this is quite silly, <laughs> none of this is remotely possible, and and I and I'm like shrinking in my in my. Uh, in my spot just realizing oh my god these people are so much smarter than me and i'm trying to talk to them about science and then one of them goes it's okay it's okay just just don't worry about it because you're obviously uncomfortable we're all fans of stargate if that makes you feel any better and i went it does thank you so much that that's great and it's funny because you were i used to call you mr science in the room whereas was whereas paul was captain logic yeah uh, you were mr science yeah yeah, we all had so the fact that yeah, I was yeah. Mr. Science, and, and and honestly, I still am a stickler for that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But actually, smart scientists are you know I don't pretend around that. I can't. It's, right. it's silly. I uh, I'm like Homer Simpson in comparison. So <laughs> so if you uh, tell me a little bit about uh, this dark matter uh, miniseries, is it still possible? Oh, I mean, uh, you know. Anything's possible, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I ended up committing to this Dark Matter Monday kind of stream that we, we uh, the gang at uh, Orville Nation uh, approached me about. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do a, you know, a few episodes. And then I ended up doing all of them. And I ended up uh, bringing on uh, cast and crew and talking about behind the scenes and making the episodes. And as we were going through it, and as we were getting close to the end, uh, I began to kind of, kind of, uh, kind of relive that experience those those last few days. Um, and you know, I remember calling Sci-Fi and telling them, "Look, you know, you you may cancel the show, but you know, we, we would have to end on a cliffhanger. At least give us the opportunity to to wrap things up." And of course, they never did. Um, so as we got to the end of that podcast or the kind of the stream, it all came back to me and I just thought, how frustrating to leave it like this. 
while I, I had season four and five kind of in general, the, the arcs mapped out, um, I realized it, it, it really kind of doesn't make sense to come back to where we left off. And so I thought if I was going to do a mini series, which I think is a lot more plausible, I would pick things up maybe three years or four years after the events of the finale with the alien invasion. And, and I've come up with essentially a pitch in my head in any case of how I would like a six episode miniseries to run. And then it, what it would essentially be is what I had planned for season four, but kind of condensed into a six episode storyline. And then if that does well and, and whoever the buyer is, uh, would like to see more, I would have an idea for another six episode miniseries that would comprise, uh, be comprised of the storyline I had planned for season five and then end uh, the series and give fandom a proper ending. So it, it's something I've talked to Jay Firestone about as the president of Prodigy Picture. He loves the idea. I just really have to sit down and, and map things out. I just, but, but in all fairness, I talk about the fact that I'm juggling so many things. It's one of the many projects that I really need to to get on and uh, and 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 get out there, you know, I would I would love to see it. I know the fandom would love to see it. It's just, you know, it, it always surprises me in this business uh, what gets picked up, yeah. and what doesn't. Yeah. And the fact that um, I mean, it's a product of packaging. To be honest, it's it's uh, packaging is good points. It also creates that this issue. Yeah, for me, it always comes down to the writing. My ex used to hate going to see movies with me because I would be like, "Oh my god, this is this doesn't make any sense." I would always go down to LA and meet people, and people would ask me, "What am I watching?" And I'd be hard pressed to answer because a when I'm in production, I'm busy working on stuff, and if I'm in development, I feel guilty if I'm watching something, so I'm always working on stuff. But what I do watch, I have to be very selective about what I watch because I get very frustrated by the writing yeah. of some of these shows I'm watching. And I, I think back to, to how at times we would kind of get nitpicked in terms of you know notes from the network. And, and yet I'd see some of the stuff that gets produced and I, I would wonder, how is this possible? But it's possible through the magic of packaging yeah. because you know the writer knows an actor or, or a director who's interested in coming on board. And so whoever the buyer is is like, well, we want that, that director or that actor. So sure, we'll, we'll, we'll greenlight this series by this writer. And then- It's really the agency direct, uh, direct, uh, making all that. And they, they, uh, yeah. they, they don't, they, they just care about you know, the deal. As, as someone we both know once said, uh, production is a necessary byproduct of the deal-making process. <laughs> One of my favorite Hollywood quotes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you laugh, but then you go, oh, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, the one thing, though, that we have going for us, Joe, despite my advancing years, uh, is the uh, fact that you could just keep writing and keep do as long as you get joy out of that. Yeah. And I also, I also like pitching. I mean, you don't like pitching as much. I, I, I enjoy the the thrill of you know, okay, here's a meeting. Here's my day. I've got to be ready. I've got to go in. I've got to, you know. What, what's disheartening is when you go in to a place and meet a guy that you've met before and, and they're a little old, you know, maybe not quite as old as you, but me, I mean me. And, and they go, hmm. what, are you, what are you doing here? Why don't you go, you know, why aren't you on an island somewhere? And I go, because I'm a writer and because hmm. making a television show as hard as it is, 
among the most fun things I, I've ever done. And I, and I, I want to keep doing that. And I know, and I know you're the same one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, creating worlds, creating characters. And, and then, I mean, there's the world of comic books. I mean, and I know it's, it, that's something kind of very different to you, Yeah. but the reason dark matter ended up getting green lit is because I went the comic book route Yeah. first because I, actually started in animation development and I was always amazed by the fact that whenever I would bring the owners of the studio fantastic uh, original ideas they were never interested but it if it was a mediocre IP they were all over it so the fact that Dark Matter was a comic book certainly helped and the fact that when Jay went out to pitch it he had a kind of the comic book as a visual aid also certainly helped um, but you know, when I when I wrote it as a comic book, it in my mind, I, I just wanted to sort of tell the story. And and so I mean I I've got three, four, five projects right now in the work, uh, several of them originals. And one of them, my my timescape sci-fi comedy, which I think would be perfect for this Ted Lasso world. Uh uh isn't gaining any traction. It's extremely frustrating. So I'm thinking of just telling my story in, in comic book form. So, you know, you, you're you're absolutely right there. You 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 feel compelled to write, but if no one reads what you have written, it it's infinitely unsatisfying. And people say, well, well, why don't you turn it into a novel? Well, it's a different form. I think in screenplay. I yeah. think in I think in screenplay. I always have. I think in play screenplay <laughs> and um, yeah and uh, it's just the way your brain is where mine is at least but I speaking of IP one of the other podcasts I did was with Narain Shankar who I have known for hmm. 25 years and and uh, and he had the the uh, the experience that that uh, that we would both love for travelers or, or dark matter when he thought the expanse was over uh, well, there was a guy who had a lot of money who said, well, I want to keep seeing episodes of that show. Let's, let's buy it. And so uh, Expanse went over to Amazon. And uh, so I guess yeah. the key is to get a billionaire to be a fan of your show. Huh. How hard worked, is that? Worked for him. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think billionaires watch TV much either. That's the thing. Would you go mm -hmm. up in a spaceship? All the billionaires are going up in spaceships. Would you do that? Oh, absolutely not. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. You would though. I did. I'm sure I you would. would. I would. Yeah. I, 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 I was shocked when you said absolutely. I thought, no. You yeah, no, I'm, I'd wait for them to sort of work out the kinks and, and uh, if, you know, once they get the space hotel going. Yeah. And, and they've got a few years under their belt. Yeah, that's, that's when space I'll go. Space elevator. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fair. I think that's reasonable. And, you know, you might still be alive or at least living in a robot body. Yeah. Now, as long as we have a gig, even if it's a pilot in development with a Canadian network that can't possibly afford to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of those. Really? It's fun. It's like, oh, oh, no, this is this is great. We hit So as soon as you get the other 98% of the money, we're in. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually surprised that you're working with the Canadian networks because I'll be honest, I've, I've given up. I feel as though the type of stuff that they green light, light uh, is totally different from what I do. They, they, I believe they have to have at least three medical shows on the air or in production 
at uh, at all times. So this is basically the mandate for every uh, every network, all yeah. three of them. Uh, and and you know, I'm not a medical guy. I'm not a procedural guy. I'm more of a sci-fi guy or or a genre guy. And they produce very little of that. I'm even more limited than you because you you would happily embrace fantasy, and and I I, I imagine I think you would. And I I can't uh, I can't do it. I guess it really, it really it would really depend on the fantasy. Yeah, like the uh, the Powder Mage trilogy is really interesting, and in, in, in it's it's a uh, a fantasy book series that uh, I I'm going to be uh, adapting or, or I'm just closing the deal on the pilot um, for me to write the pilot. Uh, but I'm I'm I've never a fan of magic. No, right, and I think it's something we discussed. The fact that that yes. well, why doesn't Gandalf just <laughs> teleport everyone out of that chamber. It's like, well, he doesn't know that spell. Oh, well, isn't that convenient? Whereas this- yeah, And my the, favorite poster is, is, is Frodo on the back of an eagle going, we had eagles the whole time? Yeah, so magic-based fantasy, not a huge fan, unless the framework, the rules are really well established, what you can and can't do. So Powder Mage is very interesting because it's all really gunpowder-based uh magic if you will so you know oh, you're sure. able to control the speed of bullets you can you can ignite gunpowder you can so it's, it's science it's science that yeah. looks like magic oh, yeah fair. yeah that's great good. Good. So, so so that's the type of fantasy series i do yeah we had uh we had another run of gag speaking of uh you said medical shows we all had <laughs> fake shows that we that we were going to go to when the when the stargate was over we were going to try to sell the cbc yeah and i can't remember what yours was called mine was medical hospital doctors <laughs> that was a good one i think i think Vine had a bit of a a genre bent i think it was um doctor vampire pi attorney at law <laughs> so, yeah, something like that yeah yeah so have you, are you are you you're still obviously in touch with paul but um yeah, it's it, it we uh it, it's funny how and I had dinner with you just before the pandemic and and will again as soon as we can uh because you know Delta right fucking Delta just when we thought we were gonna be okay sure. are, are there any more is it is it are there any more letters of the Greek alphabet after Delta or is that it are we done after this are we good well there's uh uh Omega is the last one so okay. and that right. that would be okay. if we get to that I think we're in trouble right that's why it's called the Omega Man. Right. The last man. Oh, that makes that makes sense now. Yeah. What a great, great you know, I love that movie as a kid. It doesn't really stand the test of time. It does not. The opening scene no. was just like, whoa. Yeah. He's injecting himself with the vaccine. No. Boy, that worked quick. <laughs> we all know this now. We all are now, and travelers, I don't know if, uh, uh, I, I'm sure you probably watched the pilot, but we don't always watch all of each other's shows through. Uh, and mid season two, uh, we did a pandemic ep episode, and and uh, we are. Uh, I've been. Twitter is alight with, uh, well, two groups. One is saying that uh, that uh, wow, they were prescient. They predicted what was going to happen, and and of course the the, the more right wing conspiratorial people are calling it uh, programming. It's, it was the government told me to write it so that it would prepare the public for what was coming. Well, well same people point out that in the Stargate. SG-1's 2001, was it 2001 or 2010? 2010? Oh yeah, 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 it was, uh, it was 2010. The evil Hashem end up uh, providing uh, us with a vaccine that renders 
women infertile. Ninety percent of humanity yeah. Uh, sterile. Yeah, but it it gave people a long like they lived two hundred years or three hundred years. So yeah. they didn't really latch so, onto that part of it. But uh, no, they didn't. They, and and as another writer once said uh, in defense of uh, his movie, uh, I made it up. <laughs> it's not real. It's shocking. It's shocking. I just don't get it, Joe. I don't understand. I mean, you and I were communicating at the beginning of this. There, like, remember when we said, okay, we should start stocking up. This, could, who knows how bad this yeah, could get. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about protecting our savings and, and buying. You know, I ordered masks on Amazon while they were still free mm -hmm. or cheap. <clears throat> and I was wearing that. I was one. Of, at, I was like the only guy walking around the grocery store with a mask on, and people were going, "Is he a doctor?" Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was just like insanity. And and so then we get this miraculous series of vaccines, all of which work amazingly well, better than I ever predicted. And uh, there's a gigantic portion of the population who doesn't want to take it. And it's, it's just it's shocking to me. It's shocking. Me. It's just, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think someone pointed out that back in the day, people would get their news from, let's say, television. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And now just with the proliferation of, of, of uh, social media, you can get your news anywhere and it can be not news. anything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true. And, and, and people say, I, you know, don't you, like one of my favorite cartoons is uh, a guy's uh, sitting at his computer and he shows to his wife uh, in the other room. Hey honey, I found something that all of the scientists and geniuses of the world have missed. <laughs> kills me. Anyway, I wanted to uh, obviously know that there's fan questions. Uh, I heard there were fan questions. And we got, we got, we got quite a bunch of them for you. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm surprised because- Because we're two writers? I do a daily blog. <laughs> I'm on Twitter constantly. If people have questions, they can always ask me. Yeah. Actually, a guy just, a guy just, uh, a guy just the other day uh, called you the Gene Roddenberry of science fiction. Might've been yesterday. Because because you're the one who engaged with fans first. I believe I, I, I responded to him when I said, yeah. in all fairness, yeah. it really has, you know, maybe it has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, people are not online as much as, as I am. And I think, it, I, you know, certainly in terms of Stargate, I w I, I've been online more than any of the uh, other producers. Paul, my former writing partner, just doesn't want to have anything to do Neither with it. Neither does Robert. Neither does Robert. Yeah. He's totally, forget it. Carl gauges a little bit. Yeah. But I, I mean, I the reason my my Twitter handle is Brad Travelers is because I, I thought, okay, this is something that is necessary to promote the show. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and after Stargate, promoting the show was less important to me. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was a bit of a gut punch the way it ended. So I, I you know, I, I was trying to move on. Yeah. Um, I, I almost wrote an episode for you because I hadn't written anything for Dark Matter and you asked me and you're yes. the only person to ask me uh, to do something like that, which I was very grateful for. And I, at the very same time, I got a pilot at Sci-Fi uh, and it was a, a great opportunity and, and I put my heart and soul into it. And uh, as I told Narain when I did his podcast, uh, The Expanse, uh, they went with The Expanse instead. I didn't realize I was up against The Expanse. Hmm. I, I wish I'd, I'd wish my idea was based on a series of books. 
but it wasn't. They've done, you know, they could have done two, two sci-fi shows. They could have. They were, they were, mine yeah. was also set in space. They are. They're like sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Sci-fi channel. They, yeah. they could have. Uh, CTV sci-fi, the Canadian version, uh, I don't think they're airing Star, Stargate anymore. Since when? I, I, I was flipping channels the other day, and it was Saturday afternoon when it's usually on, and I didn't see it. So maybe, maybe Amazon has wrested it away from them. Huh. So we'll just we'll just be able to. Say, I'm sure Stargate SG One Atlantis and Universe will live on Amazon now forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope. And hopefully your your fourth series as well. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, ours. How long do you think it'll take for Amazon and FG, MGM to get this all sorted out? Well, as you know, I'm old and running out of time. <laughs> so um, maybe you could pick up the ball if I'm gone, Joe. You could you could uh, if they call. Yeah, I'll say, Joe's still here. <laughs> Joe will do it. <laughs> Wheel you in. Yeah. I, the, 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 the people should know that, yeah. that you were my first call to participate in the new show. So that's one of the reasons I sent you the script. No, I, I much appreciate it. Much appreciate it. And uh, well, you know what? As In addition to uh, new blood in the cast it, and, and old, old blood, if you say old blood, <laughs> uh, it was, I think, important to, to have... Uh, Somebody who knew where as many bones were buried as I did, and and you did multiple seasons uh, of shows mm. uh, without me, uh, like seasons four and five of Atlantis, and and I mean I I wrote, I came and played in the sandbox, but I I didn't run it, and you guys did the same with SG One, and so you know where there are bones in that franchise that I do not, or at least might remember them better than I do. When when the fandom asks me, are you going to be involved in a new series, or we say, Brad is running the show, if uh, he would uh, be, you know, extends the invitation, I would love to take him up on it because it would be great to, as you said, play in that sandbox again. It would be, yeah. it would be great. And you know, one of the reasons, very unusual thing we had going with writers staying with the show as long as, as we did, all of us, even going and coming back, like I did, going and mm -hmm. coming back and writing uh, it's a bit of a testament to, yes, there was there was some healthy egos, but it, it was a testament to the sense of camaraderie we must have felt to to sit there for hours and hours at a time and and spin story um, and the fun we had doing that. Hey, Tommy, uh, why don't you queue up uh, the first of those fan questions? Hi, gents. It's Kirsty. Thank you so much for letting us eavesdrop on your conversation. It's very interesting. My question is, out of all the episodes that you both wrote for Stargate, which of each other's is your favorite and why? Thanks a lot. Okay, I'll go first. I have to say that whenever I'm asked for my top 10 Stargate episodes, and, and, and you wrote so many great ones, uh, but just for me, from a pure sci-fi storyline, and it's the type of story I absolutely love that you executed, I thought, to perfection, was 2010. Um, and kind of the alt timeline story where you get to kill off all, all the main characters. But I mean, you, it's, it's kind of the road not taken. You get to find out sort of what happened to all our characters. And, and, and it, it's just a, a kind of a sci-fi chestnut in terms of kind of the premise. And yet uh, in your skillful sci-fi hands uh, and the fact that it was sort of the characters we knew in the world we knew, it, it just resonated with me I remember watching it for the first time and, and 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 thinking holy shit this is great and you and you went on to write 
some spectacular episodes uh, since, but w whenever someone asked me this question, uh, in terms of like, like my, my top five episodes of, of, of the entire Stargate franchise, 2010 is always the one that for me always comes to mind first. Well, I, I am a huge fan of uh, obviously what the number one fan show is. Uh, and I, I did a little bit of a, uh, a rewrite, I think in the last act uh, and changed a couple of jokes that I think pissed you off, but window of opportunity. <laughs> uh, well, was one good. of the elements of that, 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 that episode that you know, people love is, is sort of the, the golfing uh, through the Stargate. That was all you, we were short. <laughs> And, and we we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to come up with some more scenes. And you were like, I got this. And you ended up writing that entire montage sequence. I think Paul uh, pitched out the idea of, of uh, O'Neill dipping Carter. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the bicycle riding, the, uh, the, um, uh, the kind of the, the ghost, uh, uh, or what was it really a ghost? The, um, uh, the pottery scene, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the golfing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was fun. It was, it was really, uh... yeah. It, it was a great, and of course, as in all of our episodes, we all participated in all the episodes, right? And it was never, yeah. uh, it's not a, uh, it's not a, even, even Rob who, who writes alone uh, 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 and wrote an episode that we, I think both mutually admire, uh, Time. Uh, yeah. He, he, he uh, as much as he likes to work alone, he, he had to stick his head in, in my office quite a few times for that one because, because time travel and, and all of those conundrums uh, melt your brain a little bit. So you need, so just, does this make sense? I just, <laughs> but, but we've already mentioned one that, that you and Paul wrote uh, uh, in um, the last episode of SGU at Gauntlet is, is um, it's one I'll rewatch. It's, it's just, hmm. it's not, not just for the, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a little sad, but it's really, really well-made episode. And the dinner scene, you know, uh, that that you guys added that because I thought I think you thought you were short, and it's not even a scene that that I I, I pitched you guys and when we were first talking about the episode, it makes it. It's it's the heart and soul of the show in a scene. It's gorgeous. Yeah, that that scene that scene really encapsulates for me what sci-fi is all about and I talk about it this 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 idea of family yeah the fact that they are a found family whether it's it's SG-1 going through the gate or the crew of the Enterprise the crew of the Destiny or frankly the crew of, of Dark Matter when 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 I kind of designed my idea for, for for Dark Matter just not only sort of the construction of the ship but the scenes um, I always wanted those kind of dinner scenes in the mess it was like a family dinner, yep. and and are you know in on Dark Matter the android was apart from it all, and then as she kind of grew to become a member of the crew, she actually took a seat at the table, and symbolically that was very important for me. I remember writing that scene in Gauntlet, and 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 uh, I think it's Eli that talks about the fact that they're like family, and 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 uh, Rush is like the crazy yeah. uncle, and um, and and that's what all great science fiction is i think ultimately about family and and viewers check in with their second family um and and yeah i mean uh well the enterprise um, kirk bone yeah. spock mccoy no mccoy is bone yeah. kirk bone spock and kirk. i guess this is the three guys <laughs> <laughs> no but uhura well check off was she yeah. really was she really at the or yeah. okay uh uh, Next generation is uh, another good example. I mean that bridge crew; they they were pretty they were a pretty tight group. Yeah. So much so yeah. that Jordy was there 
all the time, even though we were supposed to be in engineering. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, Jordy? You're supposed to be running. Yeah. Don't you have something to do? Yeah. Oh, right. It's funny. Well, one of the things that Bob Ricardo said about uh, speaking, uh, saying something very similar about the family that was on Voyager uh, was that he thought he had a dream job because uh, his character was in, you know, on one set, which meant one shooting day uh, every episode. And, and uh, it was, you know, this, this great benefit of being in a long running uh, hit television show with really without having to be, you know, overtaxed as a, as a human being uh, in terms of shooting days. And, uh, but his character became so popular he started being, be, being, uh, they started making it capable of uh, being elsewhere on the ship. It was like, oh, great. <laughs> I get to be in episode five out of seven days now. It's great. <laughs> Different lifestyle, really. Mm. He was great in, uh, in, in universe too. I, 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 I uh, he said something very nice about you. Uh, uh, cause he, you, when you had dinner, uh, to discuss the character of him taking over the, the job of the administrator of Atlantis, uh, he said, I, I don't know how a person who has been such, for lack of a better word, an asshole uh, previously in SG-1 sh trying to shut the, down the whole program should suddenly be uh, uh, a, a character that the audience will have to find likable. And you said, that's our problem, not yours. And he was, of mm -hmm. course, that's mm -hmm. absolutely true. And his character's uh, arc over the course of the franchise is, is one of my favorite where he comes in as kind of the pet pencil pusher, the, you know, the very kind of strident individual. And then ultimately he becomes kind of this beloved uh, commander. And yet his character doesn't really change. You just find out more about exactly. him and what makes him tick and those yeah. vulnerabilities. And, and one of the great things about Bob is that he's able to imbue his characters with that kind of sense of humor and that vulnerability that fans will always respond to. Um, so yeah, absolutely love his character. And, and he's hilarious as a human being too. He's fantastic. And has yeah. the best voice. Oh my God, what a voice. Yes, yes. He can modulate it just in the course of a normal conversation, like like an octave, <laughs> just chatting. Yeah. Well, okay, now that was one question. <laughs> we completely went <laughs> off again. Go ahead, Tommy. Hello, this is Sam from England. My question is, in all your years working in the industry, do you feel that you've created or worked on your magnum opus? For me, um, Dark Matter was my magnum op opus simply because I came up with the idea while I was working on, on Stargate, I think uh, Atlantis season three. And I thought, okay, when Atlantis finishes up, I'll move on and you know, try, to, try to set up Dark Matter. And of course, Atlantis got picked up for a fourth, fifth season. We ended up doing Stargate Universe for two seasons. And because the, the, the idea sat with me for so long, I just, you know, I, I built the world and, and those backstories of the characters to the point where when we actually got in that room, it was Paul, Martin Garrow and I to spin season one, we ended up spinning an episode a day because I knew what every story was going to be. I, I knew how every arc was going to pay off. Um, and in fact, I had a five-year plan. I, I, I had set things in motion that would pay off in season four and season five. I even had the last scene in my head. I, and so that really was my magnus opus just because I had, I had sat with it for so, so long. And the fact that I wasn't able to finish my story was so frustrating and made me so angry uh, as, you know, fandom will, will attest to the fact that I was uh, 
pretty fiery about it. I, I follow you on Twitter, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. 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 And yourself. Oh, me. Uh, I don't have one. Uh, I, my, uh, I, I think I, I can't think that something that I've already done is that uh, maybe when, you know, maybe if I don't get to do anything else, I, I, I would have to say I'd have to pick one. But until then, no. No, not even SG1. SG1 that went 10 seasons. Well, sure, sure. But I didn't create. I mean, I, I, I watched a movie and said, wow, this would make a better series. And yes, I'm not, I'm not, I take credit for, you know, it lasting as long as it did, certainly uh, uh, some of the credit, but it, it, uh, it was, it was, it was a team. I mean, Dark Matter, the, the, the corollary to Dark Matter for me is more travelers because mm -hmm. it, it was an idea that I had, a pilot I had, and, and, and I, I brought a lot of young writers in and basically uh, there were, there were, there was, there's fewer powerful, strong uh, writers uh, in that group mm -hmm. than, than we ended up with on Stargate. On Stargate, we ended up with a room full of showrunners. Yeah. Like everyone simply ran with their own episodes. And all the only thing I had to make sure is that the budget was loosely going to work at the end of the, at the, end of the year and was trying to help make, that, make sure that that happened. And of course, that's, that was you know, some of my notes accordingly. So, uh, I love them all, and I love everything I've I've been work have worked on, had been fortunate enough to work on, and I hope to do another thing. I, I would just love to to have another shot at making television, uh, mm -hmm. and or writing or making a movie. Uh, of course, the movie world is so different. Writers aren't in charge in movies, so I'd probably get fired early in the process <laughs> by mistakenly thinking I was in charge. Twenty-one-year-old uh, former music. Yeah. After shooting his first movie, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, hit us again, Tommy. Hi, Brad. Hi, Joe. Joe, you have written some brilliant time travel episodes for both Stargate and Dark Matter. My question is, if you could travel in time, would you go forward, back, or stuck in a loop with no consequences? Oh, that is a tough, tough question. Go back or forward? I, you know, it's funny because if this was three years ago, I would probably say forward because I'd be interested in seeing the future. But the way things are headed, I think I'd more likely probably go back, uh, go back. And, you know, sort of with all this talk about our time in the writer's room, it would be interesting to go back in hindsight, uh, back to arriving on Stargate for the first time back in, in season four and, uh, you know, moving forward, knowing knowing now what I uh, uh, what I know now, um, and how uh, I would have proceeded differently, certainly in my private life, but uh, you know, maybe on the page as well. That would be interesting for for me too, because you every time you came up and said, "Oh, Brad, I'm from the future. Uh, you, you should <laughs> this person that you're thinking of hiring, don't hire them." Uh, it might it might be uh, might be helpful. Right. Yeah. I would also have to be from the future for it to be beneficial to both of us. Otherwise, yeah. you would just freak me out. Well, what would you do? But I know what you mean. You you head for the future, probably. Yeah. But then, wouldn't you feel like like the outsider, the kind of the kind of the country hick in the in the big city? I, I feel like that now. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, no, I I don't know. I I, I think there would be some. Uh, 
you know, for, you know, we've both written a lot of time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I love to imagine it's possible. Uh, but the fact that there are no time travels around time travelers around right now kind of proves it isn't, doesn't it? No, that just proves that they're very stringent rules in place for people like who travelers. Time travel. Yeah. Like travelers. And they're doing That's it true. right. Yeah, exactly. That's fun. I, I, uh, I also would, uh, I wouldn't mind being stuck in a loop as long as, uh, as long as I wasn't stuck on a base underground. Uh, I might, you know, I, Bill Murray had a whole town right. to yeah. himself in Groundhog Day. Uh, he learned to play piano. Uh, he became a, a better human being. And then he got to get out. And is probably one of the most extraordinary humans on earth at this point, at the end of Groundhog Day. Right. After the, after the many decades he mm. lived, clearly, in that yeah. world. Next question, Tommy. Hi. Um, my question for both. What is your favorite Stargate episode, which is focused on Sam Carter? Thank you. Favorite Sam Carter episode? Huh. Hmm. There's a lot of them. Not Emancipation. No. I will have to say. I no, I, 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 have, I have apologized on previous podcasts for that episode. And to Amanda. Singularity, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking seminal episodes uh, at mm. this point because because um, uh, it became singularity is the first time that she, she wasn't just a yes sir, no sir person, mm-hmm. and she acted. Um, uh, I, I, I but there's so many, there's so many really strong ones. Um, I ask, I for me, uh, so, solitudes, solitudes, yeah, that's a uh, great one. Trapped in an ice uh, cave, uh, really coming into her own as a character having to carry more than 50% of a two-hander. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's so good at that. Grace under pressure. Yeah. Um, the Road Not Taken was also also great. Road Not Taken, yeah. I remember actually, I pitched a time travel story then, and then Raw was like, well, we can only do one. And he, and I was like really annoyed. And then I remember Carl coming into my office and, and, and kind of commiserating. He's like, at the end of the day, you have to ask, what's the better story? And I think that's Road Not Taken was a better story. And at the time, you know, you, you know, you're 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 so uh, consumed with trying to get your story uh, agreed to that you don't really see it. But you know, obviously, that was the better story, and it, it really is a, a a great I think story. She's uh, I guess I guess pretty much every time her particular skill sets are there there are many times in that show where oh my god we're completely fucked and everybody just looks at carter (laughs) (laughs) what do we do Uh and uh and she gets us out of it and there's times matter of time yeah uh these are all early ones but 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 she's uh you know once she was commander of of atlantis there was you know her the gravitas of her character was just naturally there yeah I was just amazed cool. by how Amanda was always able to deliver that techno babble. And, you know, after a while, you just kind of grow used to it. And then you hire another actor to come in and deliver techno babble. And you're watching the dailies and you realize Amanda is so talented. The fact that she can, <laughs> she can deliver it, you know, without obviously flubbing the lines, but deliver it in a way that, that conveys a sense that she understands what she's talking well, she about. She did. 
She yeah. used to go and do research. She yeah. used to go and uh, go away and, and, and read up on subjects she knew nothing about just so that she could, you know, say it with the, the necessary confidence uh, for the character. And I, she recounted a, a time uh, where we had done something and, and made a calculation and it was off. <laughs> and she stuck her head in my door. She says, I, I, I actually did the calculation and, and it's not this, it's this. And I went, okay, let's change it. And she went, okay. <laughs> She just, you know, we just changed it and it was fine. But she was so proud of that moment because she had done that. She had figured it out. Smart person. And yes. one of the uh, best directors uh, I've worked with now. She's yeah. so good. And yeah. and uh, it was you and uh, and Paul who said, uh, uh, if you're considering Amanda as a director, run, don't walk, and hire her immediately. Yeah, she was great. She did two episodes of Dark Matter. She ended up doing like half the third season. She was really wow. strong. Yeah. Put in the finale, which was way too ambitious. Go ahead, Tommy. As a little person, it's uncommon to see myself represented on screen or in film. Stargate is my most favorite series in the entire world, and it's my dream to one day see us represented as a furling on screen. Now, I don't just think the furling are little. I do have my own theory about it, but it would be absolutely amazing to see us represented on screen like that. However, do you think the furlings will at all be in Stargate in the future? Okay, here's the story about the furling. Rob was writing an episode called The Fifth Race, and he needed it to be fine. And he didn't have fun, so he made a name up. And I remember saying, the furlings? Who are the furlings? And he said, I needed a fifth thing. Yeah, right. That's, that's it. That's the story of the furlings. Here, furlings. I would always imagine those precocious care bears of outer space. <laughs> Yeah, that's the sound that you always made. Well, and then they get up in 200. Yeah, they kind of do show up. I remember uh, Rob walking into my office in season four, and uh, it was one of the first things I did, actually. He, he was actually doing a rewrite on, on Scorched Earth. He's like, I need you to come up with a, a name of the alien race. I'm like, oh, you, you, you don't want to do it? And he's like, uh, Brad Woman. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said that. That's hilarious. That's very funny. Oh God, that's hilarious. Um, the, we did do the knocks. I would, if I would, I would revisit the knocks because the the knocks were were uh, smaller people too, and uh, I loved them. I thought they were great race, uh, yeah. and they had some. They had, they had wisdom that that really suited our show. You know, yeah. the, the very young do not always do what they're told, mm-hmm. which which so suited. You know us as a race at the time at that at that time in the show certainly yeah stop trying to protect us stop trying to protect us we're fine here look her's magic city in the sky oh shit that's embarrassing <laughs> but no that's that's true it's uh it, it, representation is important and i think we're much more aware of that now uh than we ever were uh in in both uh, in front and behind the camera mm-hmm. go ahead tommy hi joe it's coco i was wondering when you're writing, and Brad can answer this as well if he wants to, what's something that you really, really enjoy doing? Thank you. While I'm writing, there's nothing I really enjoy doing. You mean in the writing process? Yeah, I I know Stephen King likes to listen to music while he's writing. I can't be distracted. I find, however, that I do some of my best writing. Pacing. While I'm driving. 
while I'm in the shower or when my ex-wife used to talk to me over dinner. Uh, for some reason, <laughs> when your mind is otherwise occupied with, I, 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 it, especially driving, it was, it was, you know, I remember we, I, um, it was like a, was it a 30 minute drive to the studio or 45 minute drive from, from downtown Vancouver to, to the studio for me. And I would write in my head and I would run the dialogue in my head. And it's one of those places where you can't escape um, because I, I'm easily distracted. If, if I was a more patient writer, I would be infinitely more successful, I'm sure. But I'm easily distracted. But when you're in a car, you have to focus on the road and you're not going anywhere. You can't do anything. You can't surf the net. You can't check out Twitter. You can't go grab a snack. You're there, you're present. And, and I find it incredibly conducive to writing. So there's nothing really I enjoy doing while I'm writing because I'm easily distracted. Uh, but certainly driving while writing keeps me focused. In our stage, uh, we had this very long corridor that ran the whole length of two stages on the second floor. And, and I would often see Joe kind of wandering alone, slowly kind of pacing as though he's in a funeral procession. And you would, you would feel the need to describe, you would say, I'm just running dialogue like in my head. And he would say that to me every time in case you thought I was about to call an ambulance. But uh, I, I, that's one interpretation of her, of her uh, question. I thought she meant, what do I enjoy while writing? What, what part of writing do oh. I enjoy? Maybe wrong. Well, we'll, well I'll answer that mm -hmm. side of the question just in case. I, I really, really enjoy writing a good joke. I think writing a scene that is funny mm. makes me laugh and I can be sitting at my desk and I could be laughing and people will go, what's wrong with him? He must've written a joke. <laughs> Especially if it's actually funny because quite often you write something and you think it's hilarious. <laughs> and, 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 you'll, and, a, and a Rob Cooper will go, so uh, this is a joke? And you'll just cut it, just cut it. <laughs> you just go, oh, I, guess, I guess it isn't, I guess it isn't a joke. But I think I think there's nothing more satisfying than uh, than, uh, than coming up with a moment that that will actually that you know will actually play well out of a character's mouth and be funny. Yeah, that's and great. then you give it to a lead actor and they totally mutilate it <laughs> and do their own thing or that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Tommy. This is Gab Starkin. Joe, what was one of the most challenging obstacles you had to overcome? in all three productions of the Stargate series. What was the most challenging? Challenging. It's tough to say because when I joined SG-1 in his fourth season, you you and, and Rob had kind of worked out all the bugs. It was a well-oiled machine. So, I mean, I look back at, like I say, an episode like Descent, where half, you know, we're flooding rooms, our characters are swimming underwater, and you write it, and it's certainly challenging, but you've got such a great group of people supporting you that they make it happen. I mean, it, it, it magically happens. And it, for me, the challenges are always writing the scripts, making them work. Um, I, I look back on, on certain episodes, like This Mortal Coil was an episode I wrote for Stargate Atlantis. 
I remember going through multiple rounds of notes and being so incredibly frustrated with the episode. And, you know, it turned out, it turned out good, but I mean, I just, at the time, I didn't know how it was going to work out. I remember Ripple Effect, which is actually probably one of my favorite episodes of the ones I wrote. And, and, and Brad, you came up with the idea uh, for, for that episode. And I remember we were breaking the story and there was, there was, it's a linchpin moment at the end of the episode where our team has to turn the tables on the all team. And we, we were in the room and we couldn't figure out a way to do it. I think it was just Paul and I in the room at, at, at that point. I mean, you, you and Rob working on some other stuff. And we spun it for like half a day and I finally just got frustrated. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just find it in the script. And as I got closer and closer to that moment, I, I grew increasingly nervous. And yet when it came time to write that scene, it just magically fell into place. And sometimes that happens. Like the, the time loop episodes of, uh, of Dark Matter, we were in the room and we spun it for two days and got nowhere. And then I sat down and I pretty much wrote that episode in a day. And I don't know how it happens. It's just magical sometimes, uh, but- It's being in the moment. It's being with the characters in the moment. And, and as you know, Joe, that's how I write. I, 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 yeah. I don't like to have too much upfront. I need, I need to be in that state of concentration. And sometimes I listen to music, classical music mm -hmm. to get there, but- but that's definitely, uh, you know, in the moment is it, that's when you find it, especially when you're handed a script, and and uh, and you and this never one of yours, but as you know, I sometimes got handed scripts by other writers uh, late and would literally have to return them around over a weekend, and mm -hmm. and that that is when you know I would come back on and you'd see a giant zit on my head uh, or my face <laughs> the next day because the stress of having to completely turn a script around in a very short time so that it could be ready for prep. Uh, that's by far the hardest part of being a showrunner, by far. It's yeah. when, when you, when, and it's your own fault in some ways for allowing yourself to be put in that position, but, but it happens. Joe, that was fun. That was fun. I hope it wasn't your last podcast. Um, I think it'll be my last one for quite a while, unless we do something, uh, or okay. unless they're very special. Oh, I, I actually committed to one last one, last one that I'm going to do next week on, on world building uh, in, in science fiction. But uh, yeah, I just find that I tend to talk about the same things all the time. And I don't find I'm particularly eloquent on the page, certainly. But again, one-on-one uh, -on -one, in comparison to, to you know, I was listening to your, your, your Shanks and, 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 and Amanda podcast. And, you know, they, they were... Fantastic. They, they, they were fantastic. Them. And, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, well, I <laughs> what mean, what the hell am I doing? Of course, yeah. But you, you yourself are, are oh, sure. You know, yeah. Now he says, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fun. I, I, I'm using it as an opportunity to, to connect up again with people that I haven't seen in a while and, and yeah. to, uh, because I can't, you know, you and I are going to have dinner again and we've had dinner recently, but, uh, you know, I haven't seen Michael in, in ages and, and, mm -hmm. uh, I hadn't seen the rain in ages, so it's it's great. It's wonderful for me to to do that, and I love the companion, and I love supporting it in any way I can. So, yeah. thank you, thank you for being uh, the penultimate well, guests. Uh, well, no, for doing your you. penultimate podcast. <laughs> do, do you remember that? Yeah, <laughs> <The> penultimate <laughs> episode. You do realize penultimate. 
isn't the last episode. Oh. <laughs> so this was your penultimate podcast, you see. It, it actually is my penultimate yeah. podcast. There you go. Yes, there you go. For real. But I thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. It's always fun sort of getting together and, uh, and uh, you know, rehashing old times and talking about commiserating on... Uh, on, on war stories. On the, uh, the difficulties of, uh, you know, development. And talking about new things, new things. Because yeah. we're, 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 they will we'll take my typewriter from my cold dead hands. Right, right. Um, maybe not, maybe not. I might just travel a bit. Anyway, Joe, thanks so much again. Uh, uh, obviously, we will be in touch, as we always are. And uh, All right. it was great. It was, it, was, it was fun. Thank you. And thank you, Tommy. I loved catching up with Joe. Those years in the trenches of simultaneously working on SG-1 and Atlantis are a blur, but I suspect we had a good time. If you enjoyed this interview, you can find my essays and a hundred more stories like these on The Companion at www.thecompanion.app. See you next time. Hi there. This is Chief Master Sergeant Walter Harriman, your favorite gatekeeper. Have you ever wondered what it takes to become a certified Stargate technician? Well, now you can find out because I'm gonna share my knowledge and experience with a select group of aspiring and enthusiastic gators. I wanna give you a chance to be a hero too. That's why I'm happy to announce that on March 11th, I'll be taking a small number of students for my class, Gate Tech 101. Tickets are on sale now at thecompanion.app slash events. You won't wanna miss this because it's not just a Stargate masterclass, it's a Stargate Chief Master Sergeant class. See you there. But for now, Chevron 7 is locked. <laughs>